Awareness by federal regulators, manufacturers, and healthcare organizations is growing of the cybersecurity risks that medical devices pose. But what should the industry be on the lookout for 2016 as medical device cybersecurity threats evolve? I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with security researcher and medical device cybersecurity expert Billy Rios, who will discuss some of the important medical device cybersecurity developments we're likely to see in 2016. So now, Billy, last year we saw the FDA for the first time issue an alert for hospitals to discontinue use of a particular family of infusion pumps from a manufacturer due to cybersecurity risks. And so far already this year, we've already seen the FDA issue draft guidance for manufacturers about post-market cybersecurity and also data exchange of medical devices. What else do you think we'll see this year from FDA and perhaps from the Department of Homeland Security when it comes to medical device cybersecurity? We're going to continue to see a lot of research done on medical devices. I think over the last couple of years, uh, medical device security research has gotten a lot of attention from the cybersecurity research community. So uh, I've been contacted by a lot of different folks who are asking how do they get involved in medical device research. And uh, so I, I think we'll start to see a lot of folks who have not traditionally been associated with healthcare. Uh, start to get these devices and start to take a look at these devices. So, and then obviously what that's going to lead to is probably more, more things like uh, FDA cybersecurity or safety advisories coming out. And so usually a lot of these researchers will work with DHS. And so I wouldn't be surprised to see more DHS advisories for medical devices. And then for those medical devices and cybersecurity issues that could actually cause a patient safety issue. Uh, the FDA will probably release some guidance or they'll release a safety advisory on that if that happens this year. And I would anticipate that we would see that sometime this year. Ethical hackers have demonstrated how some medical devices can be hacked. And researchers like you, as you mentioned, have identified flaws that put various medical devices at risk. What have been the common denominators in these white hat hacker demonstrations and the vulnerabilities that have been found by researchers like you? What's making these devices so risky from a security point of view? We have a really long ways to go, so I think it's a good opportunity to kind of mention the, the draft post-market guidance that came out. So I know that for the longest time we've been focused uh, very much on the devices themselves, and I think the FDA has been trying to develop a strategy to make it to where safer devices are released to the public at manufacturer time. That's a great thing. So uh, I think a lot of the research that we saw that came out last year and early this year shows that there are a lot of devices already in healthcare delivery organizations, already in hospitals. Uh, Many hospitals have purchased devices many years ago, and they're using them as they should, right? But we looked at some of the devices and and saw that, you know, there's certain devices that we looked at that had literally thousands of vulnerabilities inside of them, right? So known vulnerabilities. So these are vulnerabilities that already had patches. Uh, These are vulnerabilities that uh, you know, the vendor could basically download a patch from a manufacturer like Microsoft or Adobe or Oracle and just patch their medical devices, but that hasn't been done. And so uh, if you're a CIO or a CSO for like a hospital and you purchase a device, uh, you could have purchased a device with thousands of vulnerabilities already in it, right? So uh, that becomes basically this untenable situation because these hospitals want to offer patient safety and patient care and, and help patients that come into their hospitals. But at the same time, they're putting their IT infrastructure and their biomed infrastructure at a lot of risk because they have all these known vulnerabilities. And so uh, I think that's what the draft post-market guidance tries to address. And a lot of that was driven by researchers. So 
uh, researchers are showing DHS and the FDA, hey, look, uh, right now we have this problem that devices really aren't being maintained from a cybersecurity standpoint. So addressing the pre-market issues where you want to release a quality device to a, a hospital is a very important thing. But once a hospital buys a device, the work's not done, right? So there's a lot of work that has to be done by a manufacturer to ensure that the device maintains a safe posture from a cybersecurity standpoint. So now, Billy, as we know, we've seen vulnerabilities with medical devices such as infusion pumps. But what about other medical equipment that pose potential security and safety risks to patients, such as robotics that are used for surgeries or for dispensing drug inventories? Do these medical robotic equipment also pose the same kind of potential security risks that we see in other medical devices? That's a really good question as well. So, you know, I'm working with a couple different organizations. From a healthcare delivery standpoint, we have to understand a couple different things. So not every medical device vulnerability is going to result in or could result in patient harm, right? So we want to definitely be able to separate those issues. If there's an issue, a cybersecurity issue that can cause patient harm, we definitely want to basically put that aside and treat that differently than another issue that just poses an IT risk. IT risk is very important. Don't, don't get me wrong. If I was a CIO of a hospital, and I know a couple of them, they are very, very much struggling with getting their arms around IT security in the hospital. It's a very important topic. But I think what we're really focused on are those issues that can really cause patient harm. And I think that's kind of what you're getting to. So developing a good methodology to where we can take a cybersecurity issue and then systematically and objectively determine whether or not that issue can be used to harm a patient is a very important thing. And that's something that we're working to formalize. And Hopefully, we'll get some guidance out uh, this year. That may or may not come from the FDA. I don't know if it is, but I know there's a lot of different organizations that are looking at tackling that problem. Now, as you mentioned earlier, there could be thousands of vulnerabilities in various medical devices. How can healthcare entities get their arms around that? I know that, obviously, the post-market guidance that FDA issued is sort of geared to the manufacturers, but what should the healthcare entities be doing at this point? Trust me, it is a really frustrating position for hospitals to be in. Being a CIO of a major hospital is a really tough job. And when we say there could be thousands of vulnerabilities in medical devices uh, that are in the market right now, uh, there is no there could be. We've already proven that. So I'm sure later this year we're going to see some advisories from DHS based on research that I've done and other researchers that show that there are medical devices right now that have thousands of known vulnerabilities inside of them, and they are in hospitals already. So it's very much an untenable position. If you're a CIO of a, a major hospital, uh, you're dealing with this every day. You have to buy these devices because they usually offer you the best option to deliver good patient care. But at the same time, you know when you put these devices in your environment, they do introduce a lot of IT risk. So helping organizations like hospitals determine which ones present IT risks, which is a lot of devices, and which ones present patient safety risks. That's a very important thing that we have to get done this year. We're working very hard to try to figure that out, like I said, to find an objective, systematic way to do that. You know, some of the issues that we talked about here, a lot of this is the CIO of a hospital has their hands tied. So, you know, they may know that a, a device has literally a thousand vulnerabilities in the device itself, but they can't do anything about it, right? So they can't go on their own and patch these devices, and they can't go on their own and fix the uh, cybersecurity engineering within devices. So instead, they have to mitigate uh, via other ways, and that's segmentation of the network. And But really, you know, what they're doing is trying to bolt on security, which kind of doesn't work. And so uh, I think at the heart of this problem, the manufacturers really have to change 
the approach to post-market activities that happen with cybersecurity and their medical devices. So now, Billy, based on the vulnerabilities that you see, and worst-case scenario, obviously, is patient safety, but what are the worst-case scenarios when it comes to the risks of these medical devices from a cybersecurity standpoint and these vulnerabilities to the IT infrastructure? What sorts of things could happen? What sorts of things do happen with these vulnerabilities? Hospitals are already dealing with this. So if you talk to any CIO at a hospital, they're going to tell you that uh, medical devices pose really significant risks to their IT infrastructure. And so some of the things that we've already seen is uh, medical devices just being infected by common everyday malware that would affect an, an old operating system in your IT environment. So we've already seen that. That is not something uh, that's theoretical or we think that's coming. That has already happened. We've seen ransomware being used against healthcare organizations where criminal organizations have essentially encrypted hospital patient data and then demanded a ransom uh, in order to decrypt it, right? So those are things that we've already seen. And and so over the last couple of years, we've seen that criminals within uh, the cybersecurity world, they're basically getting more and more brazen, right, and more and more bold as to which attacks they're going to pull off. And, uh, you know, it used to be they would just steal data and try to sell it someplace, uh, and you wouldn't realize that your, your data had been breached. But now these folks are actually reaching back out to the organizations that they've breached and said, hey, look, uh, we have your data. We're going to encrypt it, and if you don't give us money, uh, we're basically going to destroy it. And so I wouldn't be surprised if we started to see, you know, devices play a more integral pieces in those types of attacks because, uh, once again, you know, a lot of CIOs for hospitals, they essentially have their hands tied, right? They cannot actually update the devices or patch the devices or improve the cybersecurity engineering of the devices. And so it presents a very appealing target for people who want to get into these healthcare organizations and it also uh, presents a lot of challenges in order to fix these issues. So I don't think they're going to be fixed anytime soon. And that's kind of the perfect mix if you're a cybersecurity criminal and you want to take advantage of, of particular flaws to get access to, to data or get access to someone's network. And Billy, in terms of the ransomware sorts of situations that you've seen, have they already involved medical devices or is this something you're predicting will happen? And if so, what kind of medical devices have been targeted in these sorts of situations to date? I mean, medical devices have already been infected by malware and that, that's already happened. That's already been reported. Healthcare organizations are dealing with, dealing with this every single day. If you're a CIO of a major healthcare or a delivery organization, a major hospital, you have already seen medical devices be infected with, you know, run-of-the-mill malware, essentially. So, and that run-of-the-mill malware are things like ransomware, are things like an old virus that we've seen, like about 10 years old, called Conficker. You know, so um, those are the things that CIOs are struggling with right now. It's, it's, I could sense their frustration that they're still dealing with those issues when, you know, for the most part in their IT infrastructure, uh, they have a pretty good handle on those types of things. And so, and, and those are the types of issues that lead to things like ransomware, that lead to, like I said, run-of-the-mill malware that's going to be used to uh, help someone steal data off of their network. And so those are the things that we've already seen. We haven't seen anything that's specifically targeted to medical devices. And I think the reason that we haven't seen that is because we don't need it, right? So uh, you can take run-of-the-mill malware. You can take almost 10-year-old malware and it will work on a medical device. And so until we get that fixed, I don't think uh, we'll, we'll have raised the bar enough to where it will require someone to spend a lot of time to create specialized malware for medical devices. So I think over the next year, we may see that specialized malware for medical devices. But I think the reality is that the folks that are using this malware against organizations, they probably don't need it. One thing that's a little dangerous here is 
folks that are probably using this malware to get access to data and to do things like ransomware, they are probably not in a position to determine whether or not the device could cause patient safety issues, right? So they don't, they probably don't care. Uh, they just want a foothold into someone's network. They just want access to the data. So that prevents a really tricky situation. And once again, we have to be able to ourselves uh, systematically and, ob- and objectively determine which security vulnerabilities present risks to patient harm uh, and which ones present risks to only the IT infrastructure. Both are very important, but uh, those issues that, c- that could cause a patient safety issue, we certainly have to treat those differently. And I think everyone in the chain, when I say, uh, the chain, that's security researchers, DHS, FDA, I think they recognize that we have to treat those differently, and I think there's already a different path for those types of vulnerabilities. As you know, there's a lot of the blame game that goes on with medical devices. Manufacturers say that healthcare entities are responsible for the security of their environments. The healthcare entities say vendors aren't issuing patches. You have the old OSs that are used within these devices. Who's primarily at fault for the poor state of medical device cybersecurity, in your opinion? That's hard to say. I know that uh, after the, the pre-market guidance was released, I think the following day uh, there was statements released by various uh, organizations saying, hey, this you know this is their fault, essentially. And so uh, I think, it, and we've talked about this uh, to a lot of different healthcare or delivery organizations and medical manufacturers, medical device manufacturers. To be honest, the person that's going to attack your hospital doesn't care. <laughs> They don't care whose fault it is. So what has to happen is at the end of the day, the posture has to be increased because we are in a situation where hospitals, they have to buy these devices in order to basically deliver patient care. And uh, there is a responsibility on healthcare delivery organization side, but there's also responsibilities for the manufacturer. And so we do need to figure out a way to clearly delineate uh, where responsibilities lie. And I think the post-market guidance, although it doesn't clearly delineate uh, who should do what, you know, that's probably intentional. Uh, it does show that, hey, post-market guidance is important. So people need to start thinking about how we're going to do this. And, you know, just in my personal opinion, I think that the manufacturer is probably in the best position to address a lot of these issues. So uh, if you, like I said, once again, you know, if you talk to a CIO of a major hospital, it's not like they're not spending money and it's not like they're not trying. They are certainly spending money and they are certainly trying to get their arms around the cybersecurity issue Uh, when it comes to clinical applications, when it comes to medical devices. Uh, So they are doing a lot of work. At least I know some of the hospitals I work with. So I think a lot of this burden is going to fall onto the medical device manufacturers. And it's probably going to be a little painful for them, right? That's not a culture and that's not an engineering cycle that they're very used to. I know a lot of the medical device manufacturers that I work with, there's a lot of work that gets done into basically passing that initial regulatory hurdle, which is the post-market clearance process. And then once that clearance process is overcome, they usually shift into a different type of mode. And the sustained engineering is usually really for just bug fixes. That has to change. And that means organizations kind of have to be retooled. And the processes and procedures that they have for supporting these devices have to change. And so that's going to be a little painful, I think, for some medical device manufacturers. But I think if we really want to solve this problem, uh, manufacturers have a lot on their plate that they have to do in order to get us to where we need to be. And briefly, Billy, are there any medical device cybersecurity research projects that you're working on right now or plan to work on in 2016 that you can tell us a little bit about? For instance, what sorts of medical devices are you most concerned with these days? You know, I certainly have some medical devices in my labs. To be honest, I think the most surprising thing to me is throughout the the late portions of last year and even early this year, there's been a lot of folks that have reached out to me with some really interesting medical devices and said, hey, can you help me take a look at these things? And so 
I think we're going to see a lot more research come out. If it's not for me, it's going to be from someone else. I don't want to mention specifically which devices or vendors that I'm looking at, but um, there's definitely a lot of research being done in devices themselves. As far as the research that I'm most interested in, I'm most interested in cybersecurity issues that could cause a patient safety issue. So that could probably help someone uh, understand what I'm looking at. But uh, talking to researchers, there's a wide variety of interest amongst a wide variety of vendors and devices. So uh, one of the things I can talk about is uh, myself and a couple different organizations, we are trying to get a better understanding as to how we can evaluate a cybersecurity issue and determine whether or not it's going to be able to cause patient safety issues. And so uh, we want we want to present a formal methodology uh, that someone can look at and say, hey, uh, we have this cybersecurity issue, and instead of having to buy the device, take the device apart, and then determine whether or not the particular cybersecurity issue can be uh, used to cause a patient safety issue, uh, we can just basically run it through this methodology and say, okay, based on what things that we've seen in the past, if we take this particular cybersecurity vulnerability, it means that it could cause a patient safety issue in these following products. And then that's when you can go to a vendor and say, can you verify this, right? So we'll definitely see that this year. Uh, We're working pretty hard on getting that out. Thanks, Billy. I've been speaking to medical device cybersecurity expert Billy Rios. I'm Marianne Kolbesak-Begee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.